Lord God, author of our great story, open our hearts and minds this day to the truth you revealed through the words of Jesus. Through your spirit, make these readings come alive, not only in our imagination, but in the work of our daily lives, till all the world reflects your kingdom. Amen. Scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who is leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, to another two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to his ability, and then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to doing business with them and gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two coins gained two more. But the servant who received only one valuable coin dug a hole and buried it his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled his accounts with them. The one who had received five came forward with the additional five and said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I have gained five more. His master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will put you in charge of much. Come and celebrate with me. Likewise, the second servant came forward and said, Master, you've given me two valuable coins, and look, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will put you in charge of much. Come and celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my coin in the ground. Here you have what's yours. His master replied, you evil and lazy servant. I knew that I, you knew that I harvested grain where I haven't sown, and that I gathered crops where I haven't spread seed. In that case, you should have turned my money over to the bankers, so that when I returned, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore, take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has 10. Those who have much will receive more, and, those who have, and they will have more than they need. But those who do not have much, even the little bit they have, will be taken from them. Now take this worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's good to, good to see you this morning. Um, we've been going through the parables uh, through the summer, and we're about halfway through. And um, so I thought this morning I'd talk a little bit about parables and what they are and what they mean and how we can understand them. And then I would talk a little bit about the parable that we just read, uh, the parable of the talents is the, the way that we know it now, but that's not always been its name. And then we talk a little bit about how that relates to us and what our call of action is. So as we're talking about the parables, it, it's important to understand what a parable is because um, there's a definition of a parable, and it's to throw or place by the side of something. And that sounds kind of interesting. How is a story 
something that you throw or place by the side of something. So it's really just a marker. Uh, it's something to call it to our memory. It's something to help us remember the point. It's something to remind us of the purpose of the story. Uh, the, uh, the way I like to think of it is, if you go on a hike through the woods and you take some ribbon and you tie it to the branches so that you can find your way back out, or Hansel and Gretel, they use breadcrumbs, but that didn't work out so good. Um, or when you play football, uh, there's a ref, the umpire, referees, they will throw flags down, literally throw flags down. And that's to remind them, hey, something happened here. We need to talk about this. So that's what a parable is. It's a reminder. They are simply just stories with a hidden, hidden meaning. So sometimes when Jesus was telling the stories, he had his disciples with him, and they were in the large crowd, or they were around the um, uh, people that wanted to do him harm. And so he didn't tell them at that moment what the parable meant, but as soon as they got away, they were curious. Hey, what does that mean? Tell us what this story means, and then Jesus would fill them in. At other times, he used the parables with them when they were alone together. And Jesus would immediately, after he told them the parable, he would tell them the meaning or the punchline. And then they had this memory hook. And I use memory hooks. I'm, um, I'm sure you all have too at different times when you had to memorize something, a long string of something, or memorize someone's name. And so my name's Leshikar, uh, Lesakar. So if you just imagine somebody running down a hill trying to catch their car, oh, he's less a car. It sticks. So memory hooks are important, and Jesus used memory hooks, and they're great in storytelling. My grandfather always said, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Um, he said, the way you can tell how big a fish you caught was by the look in their eyes. <clears throat> Context is important, too, to understanding the parables. We need to know when it was said, to whom it was said, where they were when it was said, and what are the other passages around it. Uh, generally, when you're talking about a parable, uh, there's just one main point. But there are some parables that have more points. Uh, for instance, one of the parables, Jesus referred to the fig tree. And he said, when you see that the fig tree branches are full of leaves, you know that summer is near. That, real simple. And then he says, that's how you're going to know when the end of times are coming, just like the fig tree. Um, but if there's more than one point, such as in the sower and the soil, then in the scripture it has all of those explanations out behind it, talking about what the different points are. Another important thing to know about a parable is that it is not an allegory. An allegory is a specific literary device that's used not just in the scriptures but elsewhere. Uh, but the most famous allegory in the scriptures comes from the prophet Nathan um, as he has to go in and confront King David. If you remember, King David got into some trouble. Um, he slept with his neighbor's wife. He sent his neighbor off to the front lines to have him killed, and then he marries her. Well, Nathan the prophet, he's not happy about this. God's not happy about it, so he goes in to confront David. And that's a big deal when you're going to confront a king because they don't want to be um, challenged. So Nathan tells him a story, and he says, in an allegory, there was a wealthy man, there was a poor man. The poor man had a beautiful ewe, or female sheep, and um, the wealthy man took the sheep and killed the man. And David, King David gets all upset and says, this is horrible. Tell me who this is. We'll bring him to justice. We'll take care of this right now. And Nathan says, you are that man. 
So that whole story related directly to Uriah and Bathsheba and King David. But that was an allegory. It has a different, a different purpose. So in a parable, um, they often begin with things like like, like. So uh, you've heard of the Chevy. It's a truck like a rock. Um, but we know trucks can't be rocks. But they use that expression to help you see that it's a simile, that, hey, this truck is well-built, and it's going to hold up, and it's going to last. Um, in their commercial, that's what they tell you. Uh, well, that's what the parables are, too. <laughs> they use the word like, uh, and that just means it's a simile. And similes are um, vivid, simple comparisons of one thing to another, and the parables are similes, and they contain that. And... In this simile, um, it's a special kind of simile because it's called a kingdom of heaven simile or parable. Uh, Several of the parables are about keys to the kingdom or understanding how to live as people of the kingdom. Uh, Some of the parables are to help the disciples know how to be teachers and instructors uh, in the kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven parables are a little bit different because they're talking about something that's coming something that's in the future. And this happens to be one of them, and they all begin the same. They say the kingdom of heaven is like, um, or they say for it is like, because it's a continuation of the parable before, just changing the words. So this one, um, where we read in the passage today from the common English Bible, it used the word coin, uh, but the literal word there is talent. And talent is a special word. There's several of them used in the Bible. Uh, One that we're very familiar with is baptism. Baptism is a transliteration. In Greek, those letters gets translated over to the letters we use, first to Latin and then into English. Um, And talent is the same thing. A talent in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament when the Bible was written in Greek, it's spelled the same way we spell it today. And, however, it meant something very different. It meant a weight that represented a monetary amount. And it was the equivalent of 15 to 20 years of wages. That would be like taking the last 20 years of my life's earnings and put it into one object. So coin is a little misrepresents what a talent actually is. Because we're talking about something that's made out of silver and weighs 80 pounds. And if you took silver and you weighed it and you put it into a coin, it's going to be 8 inches round and 5 inches thick and weigh 80 pounds. You can't put that in your pocket. (laughs) You can't carry it. Um, Even burying it actually might have been a good idea because that's a lot to carry around (laughs) in that sense. So the coin represented something different. It didn't represent our gifts and our abilities or the things that God has given us that we are to use. We are to use those things. So when did a talent become a talent? Well, fortunately, because people have been writing down history, we know this information, and it came about because of the church. In the year 1095, uh, Pope Urban II, who's not related to Keith Urban, he decided that um, we need to make some changes in the church. And at that point, all of the literature, including the scriptures, refers to a talent as this 80-pound piece of money. 
And after this date going forward, a talent starts to represent our gifts and our abilities and our interest. Where this came into play and why it was important is because things changed in history at this time. Charlemagne, uh, who was a great leader in Europe, died and he left things to his children and they just didn't get along, which often happens in kingdoms. They fought, they argued, things got split up. And the next thing you know, Germany separated from France, Europe's all busted up, and they're not getting along. They're starting to have economic problems because they're having wars from the north coming down uh, with the Vikings, and they're having wars to the south with the Turks. So their trade is cut off. They don't have as much resources, and the church is needing something. And the church and the government are very closely related at this time, and they're wanting something to happen. So the Pope comes up with the idea, we're going to have these um, crusades, which are not the best ideas that the church has had. But for 200 years, we fight holy wars as Christians. And um, to do that, you've got to have people willing and able to go fight in the wars. And you have to motivate them. So the church motivated them with um, their talents. They said, hey, you've got these talents. If you put them to use with if you put these to use in going to fight in the war, we will grant you indulgences. And an indulgence was basically a prepaid penance in the church so that your sins were going to be forgiven when it gets all wrapped up if you'll use your talents today. <laughs> kind of a funny thing. So the point is we do need to use our talents and our God-given abilities that God has given to each and every one of us and we're to use them for good, and we're to help one another, and we're not just to help one another, we're to help strangers as well. But the purpose that, as it relates to this parable is that it falls in between. I said we had to understand where it is. It falls in between a parable of the foolish and the wise virgins, and it falls between the parable of the sheep and the goats, where they're separated out between the good and the bad. And this one's right in the middle. The purpose of the, the, the virgin story was that you need to be prepared for the bridegroom when he shows up. Be prepared. Have your oil in your lamp and be ready. Be prepared. Because you never know when it's going to happen. And the purpose of the last one was you need to live your life loving and kind like our Father in Heaven. Be loving and kind. Not just to the people you know, but to the people you don't know, not just to the people you like hanging out with, but to the people that are in need and the people that are hurting and the people that are in prison. And squeezed in between is this one, the parable, by its previous name, the harsh man, because the kingdom of heaven, when it happens, it just happens. We can't stop. We have to continue living our life. We have to be responsible to our families. We have to be responsible in our work. We have to take care of our business now, every day. Throughout history, there have been groups that have gone and hid in the mountains or hid in the caves or hid at home, afraid, because they thought that the time was near, that the Lord was about to be there. And Jesus said, we don't know when that's going to happen. He didn't even know. Only the Father in heaven knows. But in the meantime, what we are now supposed to do is now, now, every day, now we are to be prepared, we are to be productive, and we are to be loving and kind. 
So what's, what all of these share is that we get one chance, and that chance is now while we live here on earth in this life. We get one chance, and we need to make the most of it every day because we don't know when it's going to happen. And we do know this. What we do now makes a difference then. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for your words, and we thank you that we can understand your parables and that we have tools. We just pray that you will help us to be prepared, be productive, and to live loving and kind. In Christ's name, amen. We say it often here at Chapelwood. Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey. Today we ask you to step out into the world and use your talents for its betterment. It doesn't have to be a huge 80 pound weight on your soul. You don't have to go bury it in the ground, but they are there to be used, to be shared, to bring about the kingdom of God. All of this time when we've been doing parables, we have invited you when you're away to send us video postcards to talk about how you're continuing to stay connected. And we have one this morning all the way from Germany. The Faye family has been off and visiting and they have sent us a video postcard. Uh, we will be continuing in parables all the way through the end of the summer, so if you have been thinking about sending us a video, it's not too late yet, although the sound booth tells me if it crashes the computer again, it will be too late. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we are getting ready to turn to our last hymn. Um, before we do, please remember that near the end of the service, if you would like someone to pray with you, there will be Stephen ministers available. If you are a guest visiting with us for the first time, uh, there is a table out in the narthex. We promise not to stalk you or to you know, show up at your house unannounced, but we would like to give you a small gift. And Lisa Michelle is, is trying to tell me something very stealthily. Uh, if you have not yet signed up, either your child or you, to volunteer for VBS, uh, there is still time to do so. There is a table right there underneath the purple pyramid all the way in the back. It's going to be a fun time had by all. It's a weekend VBS, so even if you work, you can still participate in the joy and the fun. With that, David's going to come forward and lead us in our last song, I'm going to live so God can use me. Okay, let's take our neighbor's hand, and we're going to have the benediction. Read with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.